the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. Delighted to bring back Congressman David Schweikert. He represents uh, Arizona's Congressional District 1. David, how are you, sir? Well, um, how are you? I, I, well, I have questions for you. I have... Um, I note, I note that you're a coffee enthusiast. I've known that about you. My, uh, oh, yes. Whole yeah, knowledge. There's, there's potentially a problem there. Well, there might be, but my question to you is, is there, is there a – I've been <laughs> guzzling a lot today. Is there a limit? Is there, is there an end point? Uh, is, is, is there an overdose <laughs> level? Is there, um, is there a, if there is a saturation point? Out. I mean, <laughs> you yeah, have I a, remember, the basic rule is – have all the coffee you want, as long as you have no interest in ever sleeping again. Okay. All right. Well, I gave uh, up and sleep at, for at a Lent. Certain point, I can drink coffee into the afternoon, and I'll still sleep fine. And, look, I had a blast yesterday. We went to a roaster, a coffee uh, roaster. I see it. Passport, coffee, Costa. and tea. Yes. Yeah, love them. Just love them. And the funny, and the fun thing is they're across the parking lot from where the campaign office is. Oh, okay, convenient. So the can so so you go into the campaign office and you can smell the roasting. Well, I and love so that you're I'm doing actually, this. I love it. When I hang up with you, I'm actually I just walked in the doors at home. I have an um, one of these old small espresso machines. I'm going to clean it up, take it to the office, and anyone who comes to the campaign office, we're going to basically stuff them full of espresso shots. All right. All right. Well, I love that you highlight um, businesses like that. Just before you got on, um, I was highlighting a business. It's also in your district, uh, Lucy's. I don't know if you ever go there for coffee. Oh, yeah. I love them. Yeah, I love them, too. Good people. Yeah, great good people. people. Just great people. Good the, people. The owner was sending me some texts on one of my commentaries. And, uh, yeah, good people all around. It's good that we highlight these things. Um and yeah, okay, good, fair enough, uh, David. Uh, you are sponsoring something that is really important, and it's the Family Growth and Investment Act. Sure. Talk, talk to us about this. Look, um, we're trying to, and some of this is nibbling around the edges. Um, okay, first, first we have to have a moment of brutal honesty. Um, I'm intensely concerned that family formations the next generation of children, we call it fertility rates, if you want to be proper, um, are collapsing in the United States. Um, they're going to tick up a tiny bit, but uh, last year we were down to like 1.65 children, where you need to be at least 2-1 to actually maintain population. So the current math says in 16 years, the United States will have more deaths than births. We're just trying to see, are there some little things you could do within the tax code of providing some opportunity, you know, the credit for having the child, making certain things deductible, which is that's what this one does, Uh you know, deductible for having the child. And and the cost is minimal. The the amount that would actually be received, it's small, 
but is it would it make a tiny tick or two difference in couples ability to afford to have a child or that next child and and we're actually working on a series of these um but we've been studying all around the world and almost no one has found the magic bullet in like um I think it is in Hungary, you have your third or fourth child, they buy you a house. Yeah. And it's barely moved fertility rates. Yeah. Okay. All right. But we think we can and move them a little part bit. Of, yeah. I, and I'm sorry, for, it, it, no, so I'm giving you more, it's more than just the bill. Yeah. This is actually, we're trying, you know, my unified theory, we're trying to find a handful of these. That's just the first Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad of it. See if we can work on this part of our demographic issue. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear it. I was in the previous hour lamenting and discussing things like um, dropping marriage rates, uh, dropping uh, church attendance, um, and th- those kinds of things. Um, it, the issue of children and childbirth and fertility rates—it's it, it, part and parcel of that as well. Um, obviously there's not a lot you can do, you know, through legislation on the, on the dropping church, not in this country or, or marriage rates. Although, although on the marriage issue, David, there used to be some great work being done by, I don't know if you remember Robert Rector at the Heritage Foundation. He, Mm -hmm. he was, he was talking about things the government could do with getting the marriage rate, um, up, um, preserved and up, including including just advertising. <laughs> um, anyway, there are things we can do, but it is a sad point in our life in this country to see the declining birth rate, fertility well, rate. But, but this one isn't new. As you yep. know, we've been having part of this discussion since the 1980s. Yep. Actually, even before that, of the number of children born out of wedlock, which... I'm elated to have them. I mean, yeah, I've course. adopted a couple of them. You have. Um, but, you know, we also know that family success rates, that child success rates, the those things. Um, you know, who is the – she's a fairly liberal author, if I understand. She was talking about the two-child advantage or uh-huh. – uh, Yeah, two-child privilege or something like that. Yeah, privilege. right, right, right. And, or two-parent privilege. That's it. That's parent. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, look, I haven't read the book yet. I, I skimmed the article in the Wall Street Journal about it. We, we know the so social obvious. science behind it. We know it, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. so obvious. Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is um, there's a reason for thousands of years there was a particular structural yep. design of what a family. Yep. Now, now I, I, I accept families are more complicated today. Sure. Um you know, we, with my kids, um, you know, we don't hide, we send photos to the birth family or yep. the, the birth mother and birth grandmother. Yep. We do things like that because, you know, in modern society, that's just fine. Yep. Um, and, and you embrace it and love it. But um, you've you got to deal with sort of the structure of what makes a society healthy. And then those folks who fight against that, you need to challenge them. Yeah, I mean, there is the reason that year after year, every time they look at it, the Brookings Institution, also not conservative, puts out you know these key findings on how to avoid poverty, and those lessons mm-hmm. and too the are one is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. What what is let's be honest. Number one way not to be in poverty in America. Well, uh, it's it's get Get married, married. it's don't have a child before marriage, and to graduate high school, I think, is their trifecta. But yes, the marriage part is part and parcel is the anchor of it. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And then I think, yeah, go ahead. So so one of my concerns is, you know, for many years we had um, some misalignment in um, uh, uh, nutrition support, some of the other supports, where you disincentivize having the partner in the house. Right. Um, and, and I, I know there's been lots of work on that. Um, uh, you prefer marriage, but you still want someone there. You want the structure. Um, and we can see some real data that the children do better in school. They, they're better socialized and those sorts of things. And, and isn't that the goal? I mean, if you're on the left or the right, isn't a healthy functioning society one of the goals? And I, I, I like to believe that, but the, if you could see some of the emails and stuff that comes in my office, there's a bunch of nihilists. I know. Who just, I know. Who really just want to burn society down. I know. I know. I know. It's an infection of the mind, and um, and it has to be resisted. And and and. It's hard in audiences you and I speak to to convince people that that exists, but it does, and it's big. Um, yeah, and, and there's and it's more complex. Um, I, I, I know this sounds like jumping around, but um, yesterday um, got to sit through about forty-five minutes of the raw footage. For the attack on Israel uh-huh. um, yeah. on the seventh, yeah, yeah, and and if you want to be able to come right up against evil, yeah, when people are cheering and happy as they basically brutalize a child yeah. or put a bullet through, I mean, it, true bloodlust. I need to true blood lust, yeah. single, some of the most evil, yeah, and then they're screaming Ali Akbar yeah, or I God know. is great or those, and you're going this. This cannot be, but it shows you how sick a society can be. Yep. And then after we're having a debate, and my and part of the discussion was the Economist um, YouGov poll from a couple months ago. I'm hitting a break. Do you want to stay? Do you want to stay, David? I have 30. to hit. I have to hit a break. Do you have to no, go, or do you no. want to stay? No, no, I'll hold. Okay, yeah, this is important. Uh, it's important stuff. David Schweiker, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm Seth. David Schweikert is uh, our uh, guest. He is obviously our uh, our congressman representing Congressional District 1 here in Arizona. Um, David, you were making an interesting point. You had seen this film last night of the 45 or so minutes of the unredacted footage from October 7th as taken by the Marauders as taken by the terrorists themselves. And uh, you were talking about uh, the phrase I often use in these in these kinds of paradoxes is that there are forces of composition and forces of decomposition in our society. You watched a film of decomposition, obviously, and people cheering over it, bloodlust, true bloodlust. But you were making a larger point, and if you will, sir, go ahead. Well, and I... Don't mean to geek out. I'm sorry for going so long, but th- this is important because it's back to tying into your concept of what happens when society breaks down. Right. And how does it break down? Right. 
Um, uh, uh, Autonomous Magazine, uh, I believe, is, okay, it leans liberal, leans uh, European, but it's incredibly well written and factually just exquisite. Um, They were involved in a poll, and and it's a a great polling setup, Autonomous YouGov, and it's from three, four months ago. Um, The shocking number in there, 30% 30% of those who are under 30 do not believe in the Holocaust. Don't believe it's real. 20% of those who are like um, 40, 50, under, but, but younger Americans don't believe in it. But you could see the, the polling was showing that the younger you are, the more skeptical you were. And the research was saying, because this is a population that doesn't watch news. They don't read like you and I do. They live on social media. Um, and how do you ever get groups of our age who often want to say, write a letter to the Washington Post or, you know, we're going to, you know, it's, it's, here's the facts to read. And how do you accept the fact that that under 35-year-old is basically watching, you know, 20 second videos or these sorts of things pounding out all day long coming through their phone. And unless we show up and use that same platform, because the bad guys, the evil have figured out how to talk to young people on the TikToks, on the Instagrams, on these sorts of the, the Snapchat, these sort of platforms. And it's one of my great concerns is Many of the folks who want to explain what's going on, they immediately move to platforms they're comfortable with, but that's not the one the young people are on. Do you remember um, the Tsarnaev brothers who were responsible for the Boston Marathon bombing circa 2013? There was a profile mm, in Rolling Stone. Yeah, there, yeah, that's right. There was a Rolling Stone profile that was mostly gross, but there was an interesting quote from a teacher in Boston of one of these guys, and he said, "I, I have it uh, emblazoned on my computer." This teacher said, "The problem with this age demographic is that they do not know the basic narratives of their histories or really any narratives. They're blazed on pot and searching the internet for factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies, and the adult world totally misunderstands them and dismisses them at our collective peril." That was ten Look, years I ago. I can give I can give you a simple example. Yep. And this isn't about whether you support Ukraine or not. It's about how information, misinformation, is basically industrialized. Mm -hmm. So let's go back a year and a half ago. You know, America was all in to support Ukraine. You know, the vast majority of the polling, the contacts to my office were that way. You've now had a year and a half of the Russian troll farms, the Chinese troll farms, which is fascinating. Also, um, the Iranian ones. Yeah pounding American social media, trying, making, you know, videos that aren't real, editing this, doing that. I mean, we we go through presentations in Washington of how much fake stuff or bots, it's written by computers, is pounded out every day in people's text messages and their social media. And in a year and a half, you see the support collapse, but also what people think they know and so much of it is not real 
it's it's actually written by a computer bot somewhere on the other side of the world. Right. What happens when that becomes part of the next presidential campaign? Right. What happens when that becomes part of what they do to Israel? Right. What happens when they do that to any conservative that stands up where, you know, um, Mike, it is a real fear that you don't believe it the first month, you may not believe it the second month, by the third month, you're getting it over you and bet. over, and and it creates this distortion field. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. And there's lots of evidence. That's what we're living in right now. Yeah, that's a good word for it, a distortion field. It's um, it's always been a challenge, um, but it, it it's it's inc- it's exponentially difficult right now. It's exponentially and difficult. And what's fascinating is I have some people who they're my friends, yep. but they'll send me something saying, "David, did you see yep. this?" And it takes you about three minutes to look it up and say, "Okay, that picture is actually from ten years ago. Right. That picture is not at the U.S. border. Right. That's this. That you know." Right. You, and right. you send them back the link, and they get mad at you. I know. Because they wanted the dopamine hit. They I wanted know. that dopamine hit that that satiated where their head is at. I know. I know. And, and there becomes what's dangerous, is what happens when you care more about the rush yep. than the intellect. Yep. The legend of the, over the truth. Absolutely. I mean, we kill truth tellers in large parts of society. In this society, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not new, but it is exponentially more difficult. Well, I mean, this is why we do what we have to just keep doing and swinging away. I I mean, there's no there's no shortcut around it. You just got to like you say, there's no easy way to get us out of the problems we're in and this is another example of it. I mean, you just there's just no <laughs> shortcut to it. Is what it is. And last bit, um I think we may have hit a debt record today. Yeah, oh, good. On our borrowing. So we're over $90,000 a second now. All right. Well, stay at it. Uh, second time I've had occasion to quote Oliver Wendell Holmes today. The mode in which the inevitable comes to pass is effort. Stay at it, David. Stay at it. And thanks All for right. calling in. All right. Take care, Seth. All right. 602-508-0960. I'm Seth Liebson. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. We still haven't gotten your D.C. report, young David. So we'll, well do that. Of course we we'll get that report. We'll get that when we come right back, too. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Okay, young David, you were out sojourning in our nation's capital. Tell us the highlights and if there were any lowlights. I was a young man going to Washington. Well, gee, let's see. When I got there, it was... (laughs) It had snowed the night before, so it was very cold. It was in the 30s most of uh, the weekend. Snow on the ground. It melted off by Sunday. Okay, we don't need the weather report. I want food. Goodness I want gracious. The zoo. You I want... like food, but maybe somebody out there in rural Arizona is dying to know what the weather is like in our nation's capital. Go on. They're probably covered in snow, too. <laughs> I stood an hour and 45 minutes in line just to get tickets to go up the Washington Monument. I had missed out on the opportunity, as I mentioned on air on Friday, I'd missed out on the opportunity to get uh, reserve tickets. On Friday, which you can get 24 hours in advance. So I got a standby ticket on Saturday by standing in line. Thank goodness I did. And I went up there. It was a beautiful view. That was something that was just on my personal bucket list that I really wanted to do because I had not done that 
in any of my I had gone prior in like middle school. I got to visit the White House. That was great. Want to know something interesting? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking around, and I'm looking at all the presidential portraits, and they have a lot of them. They're going the oldest presidential portrait I think I saw was Wilson, but they have a lot of beautiful art up on the walls. Nope, Roosevelt. Roosevelt was up on. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, wait a minute, we're missing somebody. Mm. And you know who I'm looking for, right? Mm-hmm. The 37th president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the Secret Service man, who also doubles as a tour guide, and I said, hey, where is uh, Nixon? I'm looking around, and I, I don't see him. And the guy says, well, you know what? Come to think of it, I don't really know. I haven't recalled seeing him oh, either. Oh, that's interesting. Why don't you ask one of the other guides? Yeah. And so I asked another guide, and I said, now, where, where, is, uh, where is Nixon's portrait? I see the famous Kennedy painting where his head is down, yeah, yeah. and I see Lincoln in the dining room. Where is, where is Nixon's portrait? You know, I understand the current regime. Did they put him above the toilet yeah, or something yeah, in another yeah, room? Yeah. And he said, well, he should be in the stairwell, and if he's not there, that means they've taken him down. <laughs> And was he taken down? Apparently. Oh, wow. Apparently, yeah. There was a Ford painting. Even They even had a W painting. Yeah. But uh, no Nixon portrait. How fascinating. However, I did get to see the Norman Rockwell Nixon portrait in the National Portrait yeah, Gallery. right. I got to do that on Saturday as well. That was a, a lovely experience. I saw some beautiful American Yeah, that's a, fun, that's a fun gallery. That was a very yeah. fun one. And that's the only one that's open late. Most of the ones yeah. at National Mall are yeah. open till 5. The Portrait Gallery was open a little bit later. You were asking about food. Yes. Of course, I had to go to your favorite restaurant in Washington, D.C. It's not my favorite. Abbott it's Grill. not. It's just a place you have to go. <laughs> I have favorites. That's not one of them. But you, well, I, I enjoyed some oysters, yeah. as you mentioned to me that they were famous for. I had a little bit of a snack. Yeah. You might call it some afternoon delight. Yeah. Yes, I had some afternoon the delight. Song, yeah, right. Oysters. The song Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band was written about a menu item uh, at that restaurant group, Clyde's, Clyde's Restaurant Group, which owns the old Ebbett Grill, it was um, Afternoon Delight. Yeah, featured prominently in uh, in uh, Ron Burgundy. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No worries. Uh, what else did I do? I saw some of the American oh, – what do they call that? The American History Museum? The zoo? Did you go to the zoo? I did not go to the zoo. There was snow on the ground. Yeah. I was cold. Okay. I probably spent about three and a half hours on Saturday just in lines at one point or another. Yeah. The White House is cool, though, isn't it? Oh, of course. Yeah, Yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's been a few years. And I went to the uh, National Presbyterian Church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, Nat Press, they call it. I went to National Press for church on Sunday. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, That's where they had, uh, last time I was there, you know, last time I was there was for Jack Kemp's memorial. He was a Presbyterian? Or is that uh-huh. just where he had his He church? also was a Presbyterian, but that's where they had that. the memorial. Yeah. The people I was staying with showed me Eisenhower's pew, uh-huh. and they've yeah. actually yeah. taken it out of, the, uh, out of the church and put it in a glass case. Yeah. Oh, this is fun. All right. Thank you for that, David. And thank you for the souvenir. Of course. Be right back. More to come. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Thank you for the reminder with that... Uh, song because you brought me another souvenir i did (laughs) and i don't know why it's washington but you brought me this delightful looking box of cinnamon swirl crumb cake 
Duncan Hines, Dolly Parton. <laughs> yes, cinnamon well, I knew you were from, a Dolly man. I'm a huge Dolly. In my close Dolly. proximity to the southern United States at our nation's oh, okay. capital. All right, you were in the I south. was able to yeah. snag okay. a Dolly Parton, uh, official yeah. Dolly Parton cake mix. Yeah, I know. This is great. It's a gorgeous picture of her, isn't it? I, I, I guess. So, what do you mean you guess? Uh, Seth might think Are you it's a man gorgeous. or a mouse? Of course you recognize the pulchritude oh on that box. Goodness, Speaking yes. of pulchritude, um, our friend, uh, I've had a day. I'm sorry. You've had a day? I've had a day. You'll, you'll, you'll forgive me. But, um, but our friend, uh, um, Mark, <laughs> sorry, Mark, uh, who wrote down all of the uh, fancy words from a week ago, he put in a new, a new group. He has a new installment. What? You know, I, I believe it or not. What? I listened a bit yesterday because I wanted to show off to some of the new friends I made at the conference what I do for work. Yeah. And so I turned it on live and I heard you mentioning perspicacity. Yeah. And I'll have you know, you're not the first place that I heard that. No. Yeah. Yes. First place I heard that was, of all things, Christian Bale imitating Dick Cheney in the movie Vice. And in one of the speeches, which he is giving in the movie, the character, Dick Cheney, uses the term perspicacity. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want the list from last week from Mark, who's doing your work for you? Busking. My work. uh, Jeremiad, hyperthymesic, emendation, uh, comminatory, uh, cherivery, uh, uh, efficacious, dolorous, Quadrenary and thaumaturgy. Yeah. Do you need definitions for any of those? All of them. Are we okay? Perhaps. No, you know them. You know them. You you certainly know quadrenary. Yeah. Yeah? It's after tertiary. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's what comes in. Comminatory. Quadrenary. Do you know comminatory? Threatening. Anyway, uh, thank you, Mark, for doing that. Uh, keep it up. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. Well, or David, start doing your job here. Um, <clears throat> fi- fi- uh, fighting for Freedom, March 26th. We're bringing in Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, and myself, Salem hosts, all of us, uh, to talk with you about the issues in the election that we see as most important and want to hear from you of what you see as the issues most important. We'll talk them out with you. Uh, it's going to be a great event at Arizona Christian University, March 26th. You can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. That's 960thepatriot.com. And uh, for those of you who want to enter a chance to win a free pair of tickets, we do this every Friday. We announce a winner. We give away a free pair of tickets. Just uh, email uh, David Dahl, ddahl at SalemPHX.com. That's D-Doll, D-O-L-L, at SalemPHX.com. And just make a reference to it in the subject line, like FFF or Fighting for Freedom. And uh, give us your name, and we'll uh, enter you to win uh, a free pair of tickets that we announce every Friday. But uh, for those of you not into the aleatory exercises, you can buy your tickets at 960thepatriot.com. It'll be great to see Mike and Brandon be on stage. We'll have some others with us as well. Um, as you know, uh, if you were listening to the first hour, I was I was really talking a lot about a call Dennis Prager had with a detractor uh, of a uh, detractor in his audience who called him to challenge him for using a source that the caller said was not credible. 
and um, it was a seven-minute call. If you missed it, go back also at 960thepatriot.com. You can hear it. It's in my opening segment. I used it instead of my – I played it instead of my monologue um, because there is so much in what Dennis said in response to this man who um, seemingly worships uh, the New York Times – more than probable, or, or, or the kind of person that worships the New York Times over truth. And, um, and Dennis made several great points, first of all, about the point he was making uh, when this person was saying, well, you know, that, that journal you're citing to has been corrected. I don't know, what did he say, 50 times, something like that. And Dennis asked him how many times the Lancet has been corrected. And the guy didn't know. And I wouldn't expect anyone to know, but it's true. These 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 publications uh, are not infallible, and if you go to the Lancet and Google, you know, corrections, redactions, whatever, um, not redactions, uh, uh, re, uh, uh, corrections and, and recalls, you will see that the Lancet, also the most one of the most prestigious uh, scientific journals in the world, also has gone through them. And Dennis's point was, what's what's my track record? His track record, speaking in the first person, Dennis was. What's my track record? What have I ever been wrong about on a big issue? Um, and the answer is very little, if anything. And the reason is he doesn't care, he says. He doesn't care what people think of him. He doesn't care about getting a Pulitzer. He doesn't care about making money. He cares about what he has to say when he meets his maker, because someday he will. And he doesn't care about someday meeting the editor-in-chief of the New York Times or the publisher of the New York Times. And it's eminently true that when you are in the business of pursuing truth, you will make enemies. People will dislike you. Um, It's also true that people who are inclined to like you, if all you do is pursue the truth, will tend to get upset about it. What was David uh, Schweikert talking about earlier? There are people sometimes who traffic in um, less than great research that want to get you excited about something that turns out not to be true, and they get mad. They get mad when you point out that this is not true. The track record Ask yourself when you're listening to someone you think expert or important, what is their track record? And is it the truth they are seeking or is it clicks they are seeking and eyeballs they are seeking? Um, Dennis never cared about that stuff. He pursued the truth for a very long time, starting with a small radio show in Los Angeles that over time, because of his track record, got more and more momentum and more and more attention. That's how you do it. The faster you rise, the faster you fall. Usually. Not ironclad. Usually. I've had resentments about some of these, you know, very young people that a lot of these cable networks, including Fox, shoot to the top out of nowhere. And where are they now? Bill's nodding at me because he knows one in particular I'm thinking of who was all the rage. Nowhere to be found now yeah track record matters you do know who i mean don't you okay we'll be right back 
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y-Refi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. They're actually based here locally. Their offices are on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit with them. I've been there any number of times. You won't get a sales pitch. You won't be asked to sign a thing. They leave uh, the sales pitching up to me. What do you get with Y-REFI? Well, they have an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio. You get a monthly statement with no surprises. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. There are absolutely no fees with Y-Refi, and you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. Best of all, you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Uh, InvestYRefi.com if you don't visit them in person or 888-YREFI24. You know, on this issue of expertise that is related to um, that is related to what the Dennis Prager dialogue is, I wanted to play you some audio, and I don't have time for it right now. We'll do it tomorrow in case you missed it. But um, there was an ambassador from the State Department who was testifying in Congress yesterday on um, Palestinian statehood. <clears throat> Excuse me, Palestinian statehood, and. Um, she was being asked some very basic questions by a congressman from Florida, Brian Mast. Uh, he makes news now and again. You probably know who he is. And it was unbelievable the idiocy that you got from this representative of the State Department. I looked her up and um, I had not heard of her before. PhD from the University of Virginia, graduate degree. And undergraduate degree from Amherst College, which is maybe the most – one of the – it competes for top three or four or five most elite undergraduate schools in the country, Amherst, and then a PhD from the University of Virginia. And she was a slobbering, blathering idiot, idiot who embarrassed herself. I was going to say embarrassed the State Department, but they've already done that to themselves. They didn't need her help. I'll play the audio tomorrow. But – on the issue of credentials meaning anything or these things meaning anything anymore, Brian Mast with his undergraduate degree, I suppose, from a extension school, um, but mostly with just common sense, didn't have to destroy her. He just asked her questions, basic questions that she couldn't answer. Don't go for the credentials. They don't mean anything. And if you need an example, you can go and find it online if you can't wait till tomorrow to hear what I'm talking about. Look at Brian Mast asking the State Department spokeswoman ambassador about Palestinian statehood. It's an embarrassment to those institutions. It's an embarrassment to the word credential. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.